forced to get off of home base. We thought it was too dangerous. They said too many people are getting hurt. There were 10 people that were taken off site. A lot of people have been talking about these fires, but it was so much more than that. Podcast 99. Podcast 99. We are back once more with a particularly special episode. This is kind of like a almost a two-parter in a way. We're going to be getting into some really intense background stuff overall. We're going to be covering the Spin Magazine's coverage of the Woodstock 99 Festival. And there's going to be a, a survivor story kind of included in, within the episode. Um, so without further ado, I am Ryan Lichten. I'm here with Parks Miller. Our What's other up, host, yeah, Parks, uh, go ahead and say hi again. I fucked you up. <laughs> it's all good. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, very, dude, very cool. So, yeah, we, uh, you know, normally we, we have a third with us, our, our buddy Josh. He is no longer going through the, the Woodstock 99 timeline with us. He's taking some time off for himself, which he deserves. So, uh, you know, but that's okay, because at Woodstock 99, just like as in life, sometimes you get separated and you don't find each other until you get home. So it's going to be just <laughs> us, but we're going nice, to, yeah. we're going to try and keep it together. All right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, Josh is our good buddy, but we're going to, this thing is turning into quite a beast. Uh, yeah, we, it's actually like Woodstock. Like, like we're actually losing people now and like our phones uh, aren't working and like <laughs> it's a, it's a whole yeah. fucking. So this, this is episode 22 now and we're like still not technically halfway through. Right. But, but yeah. <laughs> We're getting there. I mean, this is this. I'm very excited for this. I mean, doing these backstory type things. Is, yeah, is the, really these are cool fun. Yeah, and and it's fun because I mean, we, we like doing them just to kind of keep the troops motivated. You know, you guys listening because it's not just going to be oh we you know got to spend half an hour talking about counting crows every episode. Like we we want you guys to know that there is a big payoff for all of the stuff that we've been having to sit through. I mean, us especially, right. you know, I have to keep reminding myself, like it ends in flames. It ends in flames. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's like the, <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so we're going to, you know, th th because we're covering one magazine's uh, complete tale of Woodstock 99, we're definitely going to be getting ahead of our timeline, but that's okay. And we're going to try and leave out as many spoilers as possible. Um, right. But there is, you know, we, we, we kind of covered it in the beginning you know, too. So it's not like, yeah, you guys know people, what happens. Yeah. You know there's, I mean? there's yeah. there, we know how it ends, but we're still going to take you through the, the day by day as we discover all the, the weird stuff that happens. But then when we get like opportunities like this, that kind of have the more comprehensive coverage, you know, we'll jump back and forth. Right. Yeah. And the reason why spin, and we'll be doing the same thing for rolling for rolling stones coverage as well. Spin magazine has the, most graphic coverage of the Woodstock 99 festival, um, more so than Rolling Stone, more so than some of the retrospective articles that have come out. Um, it's, it's definitely more graphic than a lot of the stuff you heard on the news as well. Um, and MTV, they, they weren't talking about the truly nitty gritty details of some of this stuff or the shots that you would see on TV were of the really sensational stuff, you know, and it wasn't, you know, focused on one person's particular, you know, attack or, or loss or, or what have you, you know what I mean? It's always big fire riots. It's not these personal stories. And that's what the spin magazine really goes into. So fair warning uh, for you folks listening it. This one is really bad. Uh, we're going to be yeah, talking about absolutely. some of the assaults in detail on, on this one. Uh, we're, we'll try and keep it light where we can, but you know, we strive to be respectful 
uh, for those who suffered any kind of assault at Woodstock 99 or in general uh, in, in life. So you're consider yourself fucking warned because it's going to get fucking bad is <laughs> is basically what we're saying. Here. <laughs> right. um, so let's just get into the magazine. It came out October 1999. It's weird that it was the October issue. That's a long time after after the festival actually happened, which was in July. So I don't know if they were just sitting on that stuff until all the details came out or if they mm-hmm. were just trying to see what they should publish, what they shouldn't publish. Um, you know, cause we were going to have someone that worked on the article on the show. And I mean, he told me that, you know, he had hundreds of pictures taken and they just, you know, cherry picked a couple of them and none of them, none of the pictures at least are really that insane, not as insane as the stuff that you're going to read in the stories. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't know if they just took a long time to get everything approved, you know what I mean? Or if they just wanted to figure out how to deal with a story so intense. Um, right. I don't know. Right. But, yeah. yeah October. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in, you know, just in comparison, um, let's see. I have actually right here in front of me. I should. So Rolling Stone, their Woodstock 99 special report came out in uh, September. So they're, they're mm-hmm. a month apart. Um, spin came after. So it's, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know why it took that long. Maybe, maybe that's just how it went back then. You had to get film developed. Yeah. Maybe and, we're just spoiled. And yeah, yeah, we want it now. Give me the, I want to Google it. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to go to Woodstock 99. I want to Google it. Uh, so on the cover, it, the kid, kid rock is the cover story. Uh, basically there's a huge interview in the magazine with him and Josie at like a strip club. And the pictures are really, um, they look like just like second choices for his album art <laughs> is what like all the pictures look like. Um, so the article itself was written by David Moody, Maureen Callahan, with reporting by Mark Schoen, and photographs by Michael Schreiber. Uh, so th- that's, that's that's our, our guy. Yeah. Um, and the, the headline is Woodstock 99, how three days of music erupted into fire, rape, and riot. Which just right there is like... It's very sensational. And, yeah, but I mean, totally. but again, you know, a lot... Of, yeah, a lot of these things happened. I mean, one thing about Spin that I've kind of noticed is like, I mean, that was kind of how they distinguished themselves, at least in the in the 80s when they started, you know, because it was founded by uh, Bob Guccione, the, the guy who started Penthouse. Oh, wow. And so they've so they've always they've always like they did um, this big report about how Live Aid was like a huge financial disaster. And oh, they, they were the ones that rep- broke that. Yeah, they did. a They did a big thing about the uh, crack ep- epidemic in the 80s. So that's kind of been like sort of their way of like, I feel like now they're definitely kind of toned down and just kind of an established music publication. But it seems like when they were starting, they were definitely going for like, let's try to find some really kind of like salacious or just, you know, let's find some uncomfortable subjects. Right. The intense so maybe stuff. Yeah. It seemed like they were falling kind of, you know, back into that with, with this article. Right. And, you know, this article, it's so jam packed with nuances and crazy little things. And like I had to stop myself when I was kind of trying to summarize it or pick out the points we wanted to talk about, because I was like, this is going to be too gnarly. It's, it's too much. They're like not mm-hmm. not too gnarly. I mean, we, there's nothing we won't talk about. But, you know, it's it, it, there was just so much that I was like, I'm going to end up just reading this entire thing, <laughs> you know, and there's going to be a lot right, of points right. throughout the the next you know, half hour where I am just blowing through facts um, because I just it, we just got to get through it. But yeah. there's also some like really intense uh, quotation, you know, some quotes that I'm going to be pulling out of there and, and some other stuff. But from the start, 
uh, of of the article, they describe how disorganized the, the campgrounds are. That's like kind of how it opens. Um, throughout the article, they follow a couple different concert goers. Like, you know, one's like a teenage girl fresh out of high school. One's like twenty something dude, like party guy. Um, and they kind of just follow those people around for the day. Uh, so this the first person that they're inter- interviewing, uh, she had paid an extra hundred dollars for preferred camping, which is something I didn't know. They had, but I guess you could get an add-on package for an extra hundred bucks where you had like first dibs at camping. You'll be closest to all the stuff. Um, You'll get in early, you know, all all that kind of stuff. But once you showed up, it was absolute chaos and no one knew where any of the preferred stuff was or where anything was. So everyone was just scrambling for a spot. Um, And I'm sure some people thought it would be a good idea to get a, a spot right up and early with the toilets, you know, like, oh, we should be right by the bathrooms and the showers. That would end up being the worst move of their weekend mm. um, because yeah. the lines for the bathroom were so long. This is right off the bat, folks. This is day one opening day. You know, we're not talking about the pre-show here. This is actual day one Friday and already everything's falling apart. Uh, the bathroom lines were so long that the men began just pissing in what they describe as a huge puddle. Uh, in, in the mud that was also mixing with some of the broken shower stuff. So there's people playing in this on one side and then you walk maybe a couple hundred feet and then there's just like 20 dudes taking a piss in it. Uh, and they called it <laughs> the piss pool. Mm, <laughs> <And> good name. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. It makes sense. And uh, yeah. So the reporters actually spotted that and saw that going on. Um, they have tons and tons of background on the security, uh, a.k.a. the Peace Patrol, including what was discussed at the orientation for the guards. Uh, the overall attitude and instructions seem to be more of a turn your heads unless someone is hurting someone else kind of a thing. And also, almost all of the guards had no experience. And they answered the you know ads from want, you know, like want ads in local newspapers. Also, um the unemployment offices were sourced for for these guys because they just needed bodies. They needed a certain number of security guards in order to pass, you know, inspection. So they didn't actually give a shit if you were like, but it's actually, it's a pretty involved job, what you're doing. I mean, you're dealing with crowds. And so just getting someone, just being like, here, put on this shirt and be a security guard is actually a a terrible idea. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's a really bad idea. It's crazy. I mean, security is a crazy job anyways. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, to not be trained at all. And then, you know, you see what they have to go through all the, like every day, every set. They're grabbing people coming over from the pit that are passed out from heat exhaustion. They're trying to stop people from, you know, clamoring over onto the stage. They're having to spray people with water. They're the only thing standing behind, you know, standing between these hordes of maniacs and like everything that they are going to learn to hate about the festival, all the backstage stuff, the amenities, the the talent, the the promoters, like all that, like they're the only thing in between, <laughs> you know, the, the two sides. It's it's really crazy. Um, but the guards, they were they were paid well. They were paid twelve dollars an hour, which is double the usual rate of like an open staffed security job like that at the time. Uh, it was like six to eight hours was the or eight dollars was the usual thing. Twelve dollars was considered to be extravagant, but it's because they were going to have to work twelve to fourteen hour shifts and sleep on site in barracks that were equipped with air mattresses and no hot water. So it's like it's all shitty. And then also one of the guards that they interviewed claimed that the other guards were going into the other barracks and stealing everything like people were looting each other. So like your personal shit. Yeah. Like didn't didn't one of the guards say that they then hired their own security guard to guard their stuff? Yeah. Like someone would stay. (laughs) 
Yeah. And and like have to watch everyone's bags because if everyone left, someone's going to come back and just go through your shit. And then, of course, you know, we've talked about this before. The problem of then they just take off their Peace Patrol shirt. All of a sudden, they're just another Woodstock attendee. So it's right. like, fuck, man, like there's no catching these people. You know what I mean? And uh, by day two, most of them would quit anyways. Um, so, right, yeah, and one thing. security guard known only as Mark said that uh He's he's talking about the orientation. He's, he says, they said in orientation that there will be nudity and drugs and you're going to turn your heads. Turn your heads unless somebody is hurting somebody else. You're in a different world. No holds barred. And that's what led up to Sunday is what Mark said. <laughs> so that's wow. Like, geez, like way to set yourself up for absolute failure. Tell all these fucking knuckleheads that have no experience doing security that they don't need to do security. Right. <laughs> yeah, because you're just that's a, such a vague like, you know, what is it? And someone is hurting someone else. Like, that's a really vague definition. As yeah, to like, what well, you grabbing a titty. I mean, it's not like he's hurting her. You know, it's like, Jesus. Right. Like, so they didn't stop at anything. And because there was there was yeah. despite how insane everything gets. Reports of actual physical person on person violence intended with malice are very low. There was very right. few fights. There was very few muggings. Things like that. It, it's it's property damage that we're seeing. It's sexual assaults that we're seeing. It's mob mentality stuff, not like, you know, brutes fighting each other. You know, people were mm. getting really hurt in the mosh pits, but they weren't necessarily getting into fights because of that, you know, uh, which is true. So, you know, security, they really I mean, and what do you do when you're like, again, you're the only thing between the stage and 200, 300,000 people at a time. Like you just kind of stand there and hope that you don't get fucking killed, I guess. I don't know. And ignore yeah. drugs and nudity. Right. Yeah. So uh, another interesting thing, uh, we found out that a company called the Ogden Corporation, uh, where the company in charge of supplying products to the individual vendors. Uh, so they are in turn responsible for the price gouging that would eventually happen. They had charged vendors three dollars for bottles of water each. So that's not mm -hmm. for like a pallet. And if you were a vendor there, you know, you, you of course cooked your own food or whatever and, and you know had your own ingredients but for things that needed to be price controlled like you know brand name products things like bottled water things that everyone was going to need to sell they all had to get it from this one group right and they were the ones charging them that much and and wasn't and i think that i read that share it was like a company that share john share was a part of was somehow connected to the ogden corporation yes john share has, so has were, past ties with ogden Right. Yeah. And they're, so they were in charge Again. of like all that kind of stuff. Um, right. I don't think they were in charge of the sanitation um, or like the bathrooms or anything. But when it came to like food, drink, alcohol, that's Ogden stuff. And I know this mm -hmm. for a fact, A, because of the spin article, but also I just got a hold of some authentic Woodstock 99 drink tickets as well as meal oh, tickets. Right, and they have right. a big Ogden stamp on the back of them. Uh, they also oh say drink God. responsibly. So, <laughs> which is fun. So, yeah, they were charging the vendor. A vendor was paying three dollars for a single bottle of water. So that's why they had to sell them for four just to turn a profit. Mm -hmm. Eventually, right. when Ogden Ogden bumped the prices again. And so that's why you started seeing vendors selling them for seven. And then you just started seeing people stealing it. Uh, that, that's kind mm -hmm. of the the evolution of the water situation uh, at, at Woodstock 99. Um, they also described the MTV crews setting up like a, a massive media center that started days before the event. I mean, this is because, you know, you remember through the other episodes, we talk about these MTV interviews that the bands do, right? Where they, right. You, know, you know, they're in like a plush lounge with couches and all that stuff. This is all on site. 
So they, you know, it took a lot of planning and they were going to have the biggest feed, you know, besides pay-per-view and, and, you know, a couple other major outlets like Fox had a huge outlet there. So they needed to set up tons and tons of stuff. Um, but fans overall were not happy with the presence of MTV, uh, oftentimes throwing rocks at any towers they saw, all the VJs, the crew, anyone involved with MTV, people were just like hating on for some reason, even though all of those bands were big on MTV. You know? Right. It's not like they were representing just- some commercial bullshit that I don't stand by. It's like, no, like, you you do. Like, just because you like Limp Bizkit doesn't mean you can't like fucking MTV. Like, they're number right. one on TV. But I guess it sounds like just because they were trying to do this thing where it's like oh this will be fun we'll like we'll set up like kind of in in the the action we'll get real get real in there and then it was just because of the proximity of like look i could literally like throw stuff at a tv person yeah yeah i, I mean who like could that's resist, what happened yeah. no yeah totally yeah. um it, it was reported that someone yelled i could fuck jennifer love hewitt better than you could at carson daly uh, who I guess had dated her or was dating her at the time. And then another person threw a cup full of some kind of liquid at him where he then said, dude, I hope that wasn't your piss. Probably was. Right. And then the crowd <laughs> just kind of like charged at the crew and they mm-hmm. all had to like flee to a backstage area and like keep Carson right. safe. And I think that when we were digging around and we found some of these YouTube like little mini documentaries, I thought. I remember seeing like a little clip of Carson Daly, like ducking something. Yeah. Someone but, threw a bottle. At right. That, right. And it, it, it wasn't, it might've been during kid rock or sometime when everyone was throwing bottles, but some people were like, well, I'm going to throw wine this way. Yeah. But right. that was happening all weekend. Everyone from right. MTV was getting fucked with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and besides, I mean, kind of all media were getting fucked with. But MTV just was the pinnacle, you know what I mean? It's like, and, and Carson Daly especially, because Total Request Live was fucking huge, and I think that there was, like, some dumb meatheads that thought he, like, might have picked the videos or something, and it's like, why is Backstreet Boys number one and Corn's number two? What the fuck is this <laughs> bullshit show? It's like, dog, like, yeah, chill totally. out. And, uh, well, actually, speaking of uh, fucking, speaking of Corn, that, that's kind of where the the first part of the spin article goes is is it like the main event of the first day is, is corn Mm -hmm. uh, because hundreds of people were treated by medics during their set, mainly for exhaustion, but also all kinds of lacerations, broken bones, bumps, bruises, and the like, I mean, anything you could think of was happening and not again, because people were attacking each other. But when you have that many people jumping up and down or just going crazy, like it, it's really easy to get hurt. You know what I mean? And you might not even oh, notice yeah. until later. Like you might get, have a, a broken rib or, you know, you might fall for a second and someone jumps on your hand. Now you have a broken pinky. I mean, all kinds of different stuff was happening. Um, but the medic tents from what I'm reading, you know, and what I read in the article were fucking insane. Like it, it sounds like something out of a, a war movie or like post-apocalypse or, or I, I mean like some zombie kind of like, epidemic treatment movie i mean it's fucking crazy the stuff that they talk about happening um right yeah and they even make or maybe that's later but they make a mash joke oh yeah exactly yeah in the article they couldn't even believe it um and and it's crazy because like okay well just check this one out so one medic was quoted saying every single person in our tent was ODing. a lot weren't conscious one girl freaked out and broke the cot she was on Seven EMTs tried to hold her down, but she broke the restraints. They ended up having to duct tape her to a backboard. She tried to bite the EMTs. So that's happening. <laughs> that's some bath salts. 
<laughs> it's totally bath salts. That's all going down at the same time that corn is just like, dun, dun, dun. it's just like blaring. And I'm sure it's dark right. and there's just like weird floodlights. And this girl's just thrashing about trying to bite people. That's fucking 28 days later shit. Yeah, like that, that's, that's some insanity. Yeah. Corn is definitely the soundtrack to you turning into a zombie via drugs. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's what. And again, yeah, takes me back to bath salts. Not like right. takes me back to when I did bath salts because <laughs> I, I never All did right, bath right. salts. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, don't I don't want to do bath salts. Uh, I did yeah. salvia, though. That shit. That that's bad stuff, too. It's cra- it's too. Yeah. Crazy. But compared to whatever was going on here, it's. ugh. Yeah. yeah, no, I rem- it's. Insane. I remember salvia. I remember that stuff. I remember <laughs> people take it, but it lasted for what, like five minutes? Wasn't that the whole thing? Like, yeah, the most terrifying five minutes of your life. Right. It is but awful. This is like, but there is like crazy drugs going on here. Like, all right, just so ecstasy, like just oh a- oh ecstasy. I mean, we're we're gonna get to that soon. There was like a lot of bad drugs going on. Meth had just kind of broken into the mainstream. It it, it was kind of like an underground club drug and and you know and truck and for truckers like those are the only two people doing meth we're like you know like the circuit party scene like you know like in like the gay world you know at the time that was like a really big thing that's where like meth kind of got its start as a party drug and then you also had truckers doing it and you know they right. were driving all across the country spreading it and then you know these circus party or circuit parties were happening in like the major cities so it's like it just spread. And so by this time, people were a lot more willing to try speed or meth than we would be now. You know, right. someone passes like a meth pipe to you now, you're like, fuck you. Yeah, everyone <laughs> knows about it now. But at the time, it was kind of like a cool, like, new drug. So Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah a cool it. new drug. Hey, dude, I got this cool new drug. It's called yeah. meth. You oh, what a, what a time. <laughs> so that brings us to the serious stuff. Um, mm-hmm. When we covered corn in, in our legend, in our first legends episode, uh, we talked about a sexual assault that was reported in this issue of spin magazine, um, mm-hmm. a volunteer for Woodstock's crisis intervention unit. That's how insane they were expecting this to get. They had a crisis intervention unit. I can't imagine that that was commonplace, you know, I mean, maybe in like mass gatherings, but like, it just seems so out of place and ominous that they have something called the crisis intervention unit. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, I get having a med tent, of course, and I get mm-hmm. having, you know, paramedics and police and a fire team on, on site. But like, these are the big guns, you know, <laughs> like yep. when those guys right. don't know what to do, they have these crisis intervention guys. So one of the guys, his name is Dave Schneider. He was the person that actually told the story of the assault. Mm-hmm. The infamous story. I'm going to read the his entire account. Okay, so uh, forgive me if I end up sounding like the kid that didn't want to get called on in class that now has to read out of the book <laughs> and can't. <laughs> but uh, I think it's important to hear the details as we saw them. You know what I mean? And I think it's it's um, there's nothing funny about yeah. it. But you this know is, what I mean? it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable to read and to hear. So but yeah, so that's why we're going to put you through it too because you it's. It's important for the story, okay? So here it goes. This is, quote, Dave Schneider, who was volunteering at Woodstock's crisis intervention unit, watched corn from the edge of the main pit. By now, it was around 9.30, and the moshing was even harder than before. Suddenly, Schneider saw a crowd-surfing woman get swallowed up by the pit. When she reemerged, two men had clamped her arms to her sides. She was giving a struggle, said Schneider. Her clothes were physically and forcibly removed, yet no one nearby seemed to react. 
Schneider said that the woman and one of the men fell to the ground for about 20 seconds. Then, he said, she was passed to his friends who raped her standing from behind. The gentleman's pants were down, her pants were down, and you could see there was clearly sexual activity, he said. Finally, the woman was pulled from the pit by some audience members who handed her to security. Schneider said he watched in horror as five more women were pushed into the very same pit throughout Korn's set. They were holding the women down and violating them. Maybe not everyone was raped, but the first one was, I'm sure. The pit broke up before Schneider left for his 11 p.m. shift at the on-site ER, but since all the women had made it to the arms of security, he assumed the crimes had been reported. At the ER, Schneider watched as a 15-year-old girl who had OD'd on an estimated 10 hits of ecstasy was brought in unconscious. She was unconscious the next day when he left. The only death of the day, officials said, was a 44-year-old Woodstock 69 veteran who had heart surgery 11 days earlier. He succumbed to the heat. Whoa. Yeah. There is a lot yeah. going on there. I mean, yeah. And so, you know, we've we've made a ton of jokes uh, on the podcast as it is. But, I mean, this has always just been a story that's stuck out to me. I mean, even before I was thinking about, just when I was curiously reading about it, I mean, this is kind of that really infamous report that, and I had read this before, and I mean, I mean it's just graphic and it's, it's terrifying uh, because, I mean, this is pretty much one of the worst things you can do in like a mob mentality scenario at the same time being ha like happening during like just this what, what is supposed to still be entertainment you know like yeah. while the, like while essentially a concert's going on and i mean again granted we kind of went over like the music of corn and how it's not maybe like the most normal but sounding we're gonna music, see but well, i mean all, we're all the same it's still yeah it's exactly. a band. It's a band playing, and this will this happens. And so, I mean, it's this. It's just such a terrible thing. And you also have, I don't know, you know, thinking about a lot of stuff now, and especially in terms of a lot of the way the conversations have happened, you know, recently, where it's just like you have that classic, like, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not saying anything about this guy Dave Schneider, but you know, there's a really telling thing where he's like, well, I assume that these crimes had been reported. So right. you know, you have this guy kind of saying it. Yeah, there is no actual evidence that this crime right. was reported. We don't actually know. There's never been, we haven't found anything about who this woman was or anything like that, you know? And so these kind of details get completely lost. And so again, well, it's just you like, know, and yeah. And it's, in it's his like defense a story that you well, don't know about, Right. Well, also going Sorry, along go with the like, you know, he saw this happening and, and you know, didn't really. I mean, a anyone that had an, an, a view of the crowd to see specific moments like that happen, we're far enough away to where they wouldn't be able to go there anyways. And if they did, oh, right. he was above. He was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? If they did, they ran the risk of being, you know, destroyed by all this gang of unruly thugs themselves. You know what I mean? But then also, you know, he, he it said, you know, he rushed to his ER shift like this guy's pulling double duty. I mean, it, so mm -hmm. there was really nothing he, he could do. So I don't I don't fault him for that a, a, at all. I mean, but I do know what you're no. saying. I do know what you're saying, yeah, though, I'm where it's like, oh, well, they'll take care of it because it happened. And that's not the case. There was only maybe four or five reported assaults uh, at Woodstock 99 as a whole. And he just said that five happened during corn you know what i mean so right. yeah you, mm -hmm. you know that's that's a great point yeah a lot and you know that was the culture you know people women you know still to this day don't feel comfortable coming forward with that stuff you know that and you know i'm sure back then it was like oh well you're at woodstock or oh what band were you seeing what were you wearing you know all these questions that have no place in the conversation about why someone was made a victim 
You know what I mean? We're immensely prevalent back then, and especially in an environment yeah. like Woodstock. So I, you know, definitely. Th- th- that's- yeah, those those kinds of things were seen as yeah, saying like yeah, like the whole th- like what is it like you asked for it like that whole mentality, you know, totally had like a lot more weight in the '90s in terms of like an actual legitimate thing that you would say to someone if totally. they said that they had experienced an assault. So that on top of all this, I mean, it's just you you're you're really seeing so many you're seeing all of the like the truly worst stuff and like again it's like we can make the jokes about like the style and the fashion and the the whatever music right. they're making yeah um but then you're getting you're getting that taste of like a actually like oh this is this is fucked up and this you know affected someone and this is why it's deeply. worth talking about this is the true right. like this kind of stuff that's a perfect example of why we felt it was important enough to cover this festival as a whole rather than just do like a four episode thing just on the fucked up part. It's the it's the right. whole perspective, you know, and, and as but, far as and in terms of just the pay-per-view, the amount of gropes we've seen, it's it's really like it's believable, you know, like if if that, oh, completely, yeah. if we've seen that that just just by doing the math, it's it's totally believable. So. Yeah, no, com- but, yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. But let's talk about the 15-year-old who got her hands on fucking 10 hits of ecstasy, dude. Jesus Christ. I would not take 10 right. of any drug ever. Right. I would take 10 weeds. I mean, <laughs> but, but, but that's, I mean, that gives, I remember like being in high school and there would be these like weekend summer shows in downtown Atlanta. And I feel like. There was this one summer where every weekend, like it would be like, I think like Cypress Hill played Kanye West. I think all the, all these, you know, big, like, I feel like every weekend, someone from my high school, it was like the next Monday was like, dude, did you hear about like her or him? Like they totally like drank too much and went to the hospital. So, yeah, well, and I mean, I knew the kids that would like show up to school on ecstasy and I'd be like, how are you alive? I guess you're right. It's not so crazy. I don't know. Everything's just crazier to me back then because i'm looking at it kind of through the eyes of me being like an eight-year-old kid you know what i mean right because it's like Mm -hmm. i go back to 99 i'm like oh i was eight year old like eight years old people were taking 10 hits ecstasy that's crazy you know Mm -hmm. but whatever uh you know that's that's neither i just like god damn dude the medics there god bless them um so moving on from, from 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 this this darkness and the one death which i mean in the scope of the whole thing the death doesn't even seem like that big of a deal but yeah man you you he went to the original woodstock and he fucking died at the last one but and that's where his legacy should have stayed but now they're throwing woodstock 50 and it's not like he can come back and die at it again so god damn it <laughs> that 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 fucking sucks <laughs> for him <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then then they talk about how the energy definitely changed when Bush went on, because remember, Corn wasn't the headliner on the main stage. Bush was. And when Bush came on, it was like girls to the front, like all the mm-hmm. aggro shit kind of just left because anyone like intense enough to be like the biggest corn fan there. They're like, oh, fucking Bush. Or they were so fucking tore up from the set that they couldn't they all had to go to bed you know what i mean they had to make their way Mm -hmm. back to camp so it was lots and lots of girls lots of first kisses happening you know between guys and girls like tons of public sex is being described during this during their set and it was just like i guess more of an actual woodstock you know moment is what it was described as um oh man on a later episode we're gonna read we're gonna yeah exactly no we're gonna read this great uh personal story that this guy sent us he when he was there and and he saw most of these bands that we talk about and like 
he has a funny Bush uh, story. But you're going to have to wait for that one because we're still on spin. So then they go to the mysterious rave, which, you know, is the hardest thing to find anything about. There's barely any video of it. And I understand now why. Um, reading mm-hmm. through this coverage of it, it's described as a drug fueled orgy. Uh, with women performing oral sex on each other in the DJ booth and a woman licking orange juice off of her boobs. Men were chanting, <laughs> titty that. stock, titty stock. And public sex Again, was these, rampant. Again, with these really creative names, you know? Titty stock. Cool. We got titty stock. <laughs> oh, well, they're just so reporting 90s, what they though. saw. Like, I, oh, God. I know. It's just, it's so like, you're like, God, you can think, you can tell how someone thought that, that was like a great name. But anyway, keep going. Keep <laughs> titty going. Titty stock. Titty stock. Yeah, that's it's that's terrible. great. I mean, just making like an innuendo about like wood stock is funnier than saying titty stock, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, so drugs were in absolute abundance at Woodstock 99. I mean, mostly due to the fact that the security guards were told not to do anything about them. But uh, one right. guy, one psychedelic kingpin, or I should say would be psychedelic kingpin, was caught with 11,000 tabs of LSD after he sold yes. 6,000 of them to an undercover DEA agent. <laughs> Dude. Damn. 11,000 like that sounds like a lot of drugs that's like a couple that's like a hat like a couple pages you know what I mean mm-hmm. but uh that's a lot of fucking shit to get caught with I'll tell you that <sighs> yeah I, I love right. how dude Parks is like in shock I'm looking at his face right now <laughs> 11,000 tabs that's 11,000 good times man uh, or like a couple really really bad ones <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, so, yeah, the, the kid that, that had it, he was 19 years old uh, and I'm going to out him. It was Brooke Young. Uh, he's, you know, Brooke, I always thought was traditionally a female name. We all know none of that stuff matters, but I guess it was a dude. And uh, his estimated profits were about fifty five thousand uh, dollars. That's what he, w- he would have raked in if he had gotten the eleven thousand hits in. And who knows how that would have influenced the festival itself if there was just. 11,000 hits of acid thrown into the mix. Oh, God. Man, now I wish... Now, if we could find Brooke Young, that that's like a holy grail. If we could get this guy and just get him on the show... Uh, get some acid while we're at it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Buy some acid to, Where are they now? I mean, I, w- I would kind of want to do a where are they now on a lot of these spin prison. people, you know? <laughs> Fucking straight <laughs> up prison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Each day, like I was saying, it follows a particular concert goer. Uh, day two, they follow this guy, Joel Ferry, who arrived via charter bus. Because, you know, like we learned from uh, uh, Tony what, you know, on our, our first Survivor story was that they had these charter buses where you'd go meet up in town and they would drive you into the festival. And he said that while on the bus, people were smoking weed. Uh, some guy had a boombox and was blasting Enter Sandman from Metallica. And then at one point, everyone started like chanting for the bus driver to smoke weed. And people were like grabbing at her arms, trying to get her to like take a hit from like a bong or something. And she said, get off me, you cocksuckers. I'm driving. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. I hope she had like a really awesome accent too. Like, but (laughs) cocksuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm driving here. Yeah, dude. Just like, but like that puts me. I'm in that bus when I read that. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I can see I can smell the dirty weed, like the nasty, like upstate New York 90s East Coast weed being burnt. Maybe through like a plastic piece or those little metal pipes that you still see at smoke shops for some reason. 
Yeah, or yeah, yeah, or, I, yeah I, bought, I, I bought a metal pipe. I haven't. What do you what What do you call those metal pipes? I bought one at a gas station hash pipe because of this know. podcast, and it has like I think little it's a hash like, Bob Marley flag. Is it a hash pipe? I don't I know. I had one with a naked lady, it, like as the middle part. Ugh. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't, see, but that's ninety shit. You're keeping in. You're keeping in the spirit by smoking weed out of that. I'll tell you that. I don't uh, know. I have not smoked out of it. I have no intention to. It looks it just <laughs> like my throat hurts just looking at it. Oh, yeah. No, but I definitely. have it. And if when we reunite, you know, we can I'll bring it with me. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> smuggle it on the bus. Uh, so th- then they start to get really into the breakdown of the free water supply in the showers. And they claim that E. coli mm-hmm. had formed and people were doubling over from exhaustion that was caused by excessive vomiting and diarrhea. And because the bathrooms by this time, this is, you know, we're talking day two now. So they were so covered in mud, so hard to get to in general that people had started breaking off pieces of the peace wall to make a walkway to them, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. But then people were just like, fuck using those things at all. And so it just became this cesspool and people were just diarrheaing E. coli shit and vomiting E. coli puke everywhere uh, because mm-hmm. everyone was opting just to shit and puke everywhere except the porta potties. Um, right now, apparently, now, I will say though. Yeah. We, we, sorry, we haven't we haven't found any other concrete evidence of a of coli. E. coli. I just want, I'll, yeah, you're I, right. I'm just going to mention that for like a little recap of my thoughts on this article later. But just want to say that you know they spin says it. Haven't quite found a total confirmation of that, but keep yeah, going. yeah, they ain't doctors. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure people right. got sick, but whether or not it was the E. coli, you know, bacteria, I don't. It, think it so. could have been a. It could have been a rumor. Is all I'm saying. I mean, right. This this yeah. article is insane. This article is crazy. <laughs> it is the crazy. So you almost. It's it almost. It's. I mean, even the way it's written, it's in this like '90s style of writing where it just kind of. It almost sounds like maybe some dude was just going around screaming like there's a coli in the water. And then like the guy's just like, all right, write that down too." like (laughs) some dude on acid. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, that makes way more sense, actually. So the beer gardens, right? This is the the center of official booze on the grounds. This is a, a definite pivotal part of Woodstock 99 is the alcohol that fueled the whole thing. Um, but apparently you were only able to buy two drink tickets at a time. But after being overrun by people and like the staff who were a understaffed, b just completely overwhelmed. Security was shit. They just started handing out tickets by the dozens. Like you would just put money down and they would just give you a bunch like they're like, fuck it. And that's wow. why I think the ones that I have, like I have 12 of them and they're all still connected. Like I think people were just ripping off strips and just like trying to get the mm. line to go away because it, it, it would never end. You know what I mean? Just like with that's the bathrooms, there was continually a line idea. the entire day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a nice callback. So when we talked about the Guster set and how at the end the pay-per-view feed focuses on some naked chicks on top of like what looks like a food stand, and there's just like a mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead crowd of like thousands of dudes around them, like ooing and on like, and stuff yeah. and whistling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like some boys are becoming men, like seeing their first, you know, naked woman. Uh turns out that that was the booth of a radio station, WEDG, who had paid two naked women to stand on top of the trailer as a publicity stunt. Um, but that wow. soon just kind of sparked the like a weird energy amongst women. So then like a whole bunch of just crowd goers started getting on top of there. And then one woman started going around and they reported that she was charging twenty dollars. Had to be a had to be a twenty dollar bill, no change. Mm-hmm. Uh if you gave her a twenty dollar bill, she would roll it up. And then put it inside of her vagina. So oh. 
Yeah, there's just uh, all sorts of weird shit going down here. It's really starting to <laughs> break down here, what, dude. But isn't what's the whole? Have you heard that thing about like they like if you what is it like you take a twenty dollar bill and you like an, analyze like like every twenty dollar bill like has you know a certain <laughs> percentage of fecal matter on it. Every twenty like one in every like five twenty dollar bills has like cocaine on it. Yeah, like, yeah. The amount and of somewhere stuff out there on a twenty dollar bill. Oh god. Well, somewhere out there, there's twenty dollar bills. Well, maybe not anymore. They're probably all out of circulation. But you know, for a while, people were getting those twenty dollar bills from from her vagina. From her sure. vagina. The but whatever, dude. Woodstock like that's not 20. even worth twenty bucks. Seriously, like I don't even have a vagina, and I could put a twenty dollar bill at my vagina. Like that's like that's worth <laughs> oh, five at best, dude. Like straight up. Um, well, prices prices were gouged at Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Ogden it's Corporation when you see it had a monopoly it's when you see on vagina money. Of an alley in L.A., okay? Like, this is Woodstock. You know who I bet was doing it? I bet it was Diane. Or Diana. <laughs> that's from, how from the White Clef shit. Yeah, the Marlboro Man's wife. <laughs> I bet she was... That's how she made her money. Made it all the way backstage. Like, dude, you gotta see this chick. She'll put a fucking $20 bill in her vagina. White Clef's like, oh, that's really cool. Uh, anyways, <laughs> oh, so God. we're about to get down to a not funny part again. Um... Because we don't want Ugh. the the narrative of the, of our we, we don't want our entire history of Woodstock '99 to come off like bad things only happen during certain bands. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we have mentioned you know gropes whenever we see them, and that happens anywhere from you know in everyone's set from Ice Cube to Dave Matthews to you know Bruce Horns. Every you see that during every time they show the crowd. Right. But as far as really really violent kind of nasty stuff, um, this one's pretty interesting. Uh, and again, not funny at all. During Alanis set, a woman told reporters that she felt safe enough to get up to the front because she's like, well, it's Alanis set. It's not going to be that crazy. So she started crowd surfing when a group of men uh, basically all just kept her from going anywhere. Rather than surfing her along, they clamped onto her legs, her arms, kind of had her spread out. And then they started assaulting her with their hands. She said one man put his fingers into her anus while another one was yelling, rip her apart. That is some savage, uh, savage criminal that's debauchery. Disturbing. That is yeah. Jesus. All the while, oh, Alanis Morissette's God. just like playing. You know what I mean? It, it's it's right. crazy. The shit was happening the entire time. You know. And again, the Woodstock '99 story. People oh. have this idea that that there was death and and it was this huge. It's like the true tragedy of Woodstock '99. It, it is what happened to the women. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, yeah, fires, looting, like the Absolutely. cultural significance of that, the, you know, the people being pushed to their limits, you know, Lord of the Flies. But the true beef of this, it's it's a, it's a fucking criminal story. And that's the story. I, I really feel like that's the underlying evil of Woodstock 99. It's not the stuff that you saw on the news. It's stories like that. Uh, so that's right. why and you, we feel and it's important back, enough to bring it up. And you mentioned it earlier, like like the mob mentality. Like, let's say, you know, like, I mean... It's just like, what if you saw that and you're like, that's not cool. But then there's just like 10 like jocks just kind of like cheering it on. Like, the, yeah, you're not going to tell those guys to stop. You know what I mean? And and they'll fucking turn on. They'll kill you. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's bad. It's frightening. It's bad. But right after Alanis, Limp Bizkit played, which is the most notorious act. Can't wait to get to mm -hmm. them. Um, it was estimated that on day two, 200 people an hour were treated at the main stage medic tent. 200 people an hour the whole day. But that almost doubled for the hour that Limp Bizkit played. 
Uh, I mean, just hundreds of people were going down during that. Mm -hmm. And uh, one EMT said that the medic tent, yes, this is what Parks was talking about earlier, said the medic tents looked like a triage tent on MASH and was quoted saying, the only thing missing was Hawkeye and BJ. (laughs) (laughs) God. MASH, like by that time, MASH was like on a a heavy set of reruns. Like, he's just like, I was up in my hotel room last night. I saw MASH. I was like, yeah, it's like what I do. (laughs) But um, I know that Every time we get close to talking about Limp Bizkit, I'm sure like you listeners are like, "Ooh, is this it?" No, I'm saving it. I'm, that, that's all we're saying about Limp Bizkit right there. All right. So all right. during the rave on Saturday night, uh, it was apparently even more controlled than the first night. Word got out that that's where you go after everything's over, and it's fucking crazy because that would go until like the sun came up at like five in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. Fat Boy Slim was the headliner that night. Uh, a man. He drove a, a U-Haul truck into the rave hangar that night. Mm-hmm. He he was like we we've talked about how there was an action lounge which had like BMX tracks and like skate parks and stuff. This guy was bringing in a half pipe and somehow got off course and just I don't know if he was fucked up if he wasn't paying attention like dropped his map of Woodstock '99 and was trying to like fish it out from the floorboards and somehow veered off. But he ended up in the fucking rave hangar with all these people right. surrounding him. Like no one got hurt but like people started clamoring onto it and like dancing on the truck and now it's part of the thing and he had to get towed out of there and he was like a re- it's crazy it, just yeah that more chaos just chaos. i mean that's enough to like derail like just that that's that that's bad on its own that's like a tiny footnote oh to- oh and uh, speaking of a tiny footnote this is actually really funny the night before the headliner of the rave tent was uh moby and he said that unfortunately he did not get laid like yes, the he, one he, guy <laughs> that couldn't fucking find someone to have sex with consensually at Woodstock 99. Like, geez, you're just, in the rave hanger. <laughs> you're headlining the rave hanger. They're talking about women having sex in front of you, two feet away from you, and you can't fucking pull it off. But Moby's not that kind of guy. But again, it's also that's just like seems like the type like the type of questioning to be, you know, like. Hey, uh, Spin Magazine here. Moby, did you get laid? Are you pulling any tail? You know, like <laughs> these kinds of like, how did that even come about? And then he's just like, no, nah, I didn't get laid. Like, uh, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, like just like, I'm not going to tell you about the six women I had sex with last night. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Moby actually has a DVD. I haven't watched it yet. This is going to be on our Patreon. We're going to do I promise we will do a Patreon episode about this Moby DVD I have called Moby's Alien Sex Party. It's like a weird thrown together kind of like variety show that he did. Moby's alien sex party. I don't know. Never seen it. We'll probably just have to watch it and talk about it. But anyways, so uh, looting began on on the uh, the third day. Okay, because because here's what happened. So Sunday starts. Michael Lang does a press conference and he said that they had lost about 15 to 20 percent of their security force by that time. 20 percent of the entire group of people supposed to keep anything from going wrong aren't there. Um, but then John Sher wrote off any bad behavior that was reported as, oh, it's just frat party behavior, which not a good thing to say. Frats are some of the most dangerous, bloodthirsty, not fun having organizations on the planet. And if you say to someone like, oh, it's like frat guys, that's bad. Like John Sher totally went the wrong direction <laughs> with saying, because, yeah, it was frat guy behavior. That's the fucking problem. You idiot well, I, frat guys like rape people. Also- I feel like that's also like a more recent thing of like just the, in a public consciousness being like, man, like fraternities do a lot of bad shit. Whereas like 
it's I feel like his comment it, it kind of goes into that like oh boys will be boys you know like no yeah definitely locker room talk you know, well he's boys the fucking- might just like murder a bunch of squirrels in their backyard for fun <laughs> like the boys will uh, be boys what boys does that like mean? fire <laughs> yeah but I mean we, and we said that we haven't really gotten too much into it because like a lot of the stuff that we referenced on the very first or second episode. Or, or, or not the second one so much, but the third one where we're talking about the backstory and all that stuff. We really haven't talked much about Lang and Cher um, just because that's going to be more of a summation thing. But, you know, John Cher, as we said way earlier, the start of the series is kind of like a Donald Trump figure. He's the man in the tower, the evil mayor, the ping one, like just whatever villain you want, like villainous kind of like energy you want to put on him. That's kind of how he was. You had Michael Lang really trying to pull this thing off. And then you had John Sher just like writing off whatever problem came his way and just pushing towards the money side. Right. And and he's talking about the profit in the article is kind of hinting that he might have had his hand in the pot of the water and some of the merchandise going in there. So totally. And then you got you got these like expensive water bottles. So yeah, you got no, another, you got it, another connection of that. It's not looking good. Um, and then you know. Also, by late su- by late afternoon on Sunday, word had spread between the security personnel that people in Peace Patrol shirts were being attacked. So many of the guards just took their shirts off and melted into the crowd and split. They're like, fuck it. It's the last day. What could possibly happen? And mm-hmm. people would just be like, security and fucking just gang up on them. Like, you know, people right. cut, like mud Nazis, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. We're just like, like, just, you know, I guess so I, earlier, you know, I was saying that there wasn't like actual like crazy person on person violence. The violence that you would see would be like them trying to pull the guy's shirt off of him, you know, which is terrifying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sure people were going to were, were kicking them, but it was a lo- mostly what you saw was people throwing stuff. You know what I mean? Like right. they would start throwing shit at you until like you had to run away and it would be batteries, rocks, bottles, whatever the fuck they could get a hold of. So, yeah. So security is basically like borderline non-existent unless you're at a stage at that point if you're just out about on the grounds there's nothing to stop anyone from doing anything so looting starts and it started with two trailers that were full of bottled water condoms and gum the trifecta mm. of a festival <laughs> if you will. yes seriously <laughs> like it um, oh man but then people started selling just the bottled drugs water. just add drugs yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, and then do, the third trailer the drugs, which they didn't touch the, for some reason chew the gum drink the water use the condoms <laughs> You need all three to offset the effects of whatever drugs you're taking. Totally. Oh, my God. That's funny as fuck. So uh, and then also, uh, you know, the main thing that that keeps happening is hundreds of people start tearing down the peace wall and police were actually seen driving around like they're doing their rounds, just checking the perimeter. And they're just letting them letting this shit happen. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. one cop car, uh, it was said that they pulled over and over their megaphone, they were like, hey, can you get me a piece of that? And someone ran over a piece of the peace wall to them and they put it in their trunk and we're like, thanks. And it was like, yeah, the cops rule. Like, you guys are awesome. People love cops when cops break the laws that they're breaking. When right. cops break a law that we don't break, like killing people or like, you know, assaults or robbery stuff. No one likes that. But when a cop like vandalizes shit with you, everyone loves the cops. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of yeah. a weird psychology. Um, <laughs> so during Creed's set, someone had this is crazy. Someone drove a stolen Mercedes through the peace wall and up onto the grounds all the way up to one of the sound towers before ditching it. 
A 21-year-old security guard who that morning was promoted to supervisor got on top of the car in an effort to keep people from trying to flip it over. He eventually was told oh to God. flee and that he was not a he don't be a hero. And they did flip that car over and set it ablaze. Um, there's photos yep. of that. Like, And we always wondered when we saw that photo, when we were first doing research about this and we we're first seeing all this stuff for the first time, we're like, who the, where the fuck did this Mercedes on mm -hmm. fire come from? It came from someone stealing one and plowing it through the gates onto the grounds, and then everyone fucking destroyed it. It's crazy. Oh, so, God. yeah. And so then, you know, that marks the fires. And the fires began early in the afternoon in the campsites and kind of spread their way inward because um, they were like bonfires and stuff like that. There wasn't anything unruly about them. It was people sitting in lawn chairs around them. And one by one, the firefighters would go over and put them out. Not a big deal. Um, but, you know, by the West stage, you know, that, that's kind of where the camping was set up. You start seeing it move in from that direction. But when the Red Hot Chili Peppers performed, a youth activist group called PAX distributed candles to be lit during the song Under the Bridge. Mm -hmm. And those were used to start fires all over the fucking place. Now, right. everyone had like something that they could all they could hold because a lighter, you know, will get hot. You can't just like keep a lighter lit and you don't want to run out of your fuel. But like a can you can fucking hold a candle like a torch for a while, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And use it to light right. a bunch of different shit. And so, and, the, and, I mean, you have the irony of a peace vigil start leading to millions of dollars of damage. Right. And the um, peace vigil again, was, yeah, exactly. And it was for anti-gun violence is what it was right. for because yeah, Columbine exactly. had happened in April. Mm -hmm. right. and, and so like, that's why they were distributing these. And it's just so of the time that you would take that message and fucking burn everything to the ground with it you know true true but it, again we're gonna have to we're, we're gonna get yeah, to we're, do we're, our chili peppers that's where episode. i cut off i mean yeah, that's 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 gonna be like our big big you know finale so yeah so um I actually yeah it, that is crazy but i will give you guys one tasty tidbit uh r really quick so i'm going to because one of the coolest things that they did in this article is they transcribed some of the radio calls from the peace patrol to each other and uh, right. they're fucking terrifying, <laughs> uh, to say the least. You can tell how underprepared these guys were. So I'm going to read uh, just a, a little bit of what was being said over the security radios. Any security officer in the campground, head toward the west stage and get out of there. We'll pick you up. At least somebody has common sense. Be advised, North Beer Garden is coming down. They're setting fire to everything in here. Let it burn, man. Get out. You want us to pull out of here? Pull out. Let it burn. Let them trash it. Get out. The car is flipped over. They're setting that on fire. There's gasoline all over the ground. The car is going to blow. Clear away from the car. Get as far away as you can. I'm getting my ass kicked out here. Kid, go home. Take the shirt off. Walk away. Save yourself, guy. They don't pay you enough. Dude, that's so insane. Right. Yeah. Why so that doesn't even sound that doesn't even sound like a conversation between two people. That sounds like a bunch of people just yelling at like one guy. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of there, kid. Well, dude, yeah. when he's talking about they they flipped it, that's the Mercedes. Right, and like right. Yeah, and they're just fucking get the fuck out of there. It's so yeah. fucking crazy. Um, and you know, but there's there's tons of details and nuances throughout the article that make it not only worth reading, but worth seeking out if you can find it. It's mm -hmm. it's quintessential and while sensational and very intense and graphic, 
it it was I mean, it, what a ride. You know what right. I mean? We'll be going deeper into right. the riots and some of the things that they said about Limp Bizkit and stuff later. Mm-hmm. But this is yeah. just like the overall kind of thing. You know what it's, I mean? It's fitting for Woodstock. That's all I meant by the E. coli where I was like, OK, I I kind of I'm I'm a little skeptical on there being the E. coli. Not to say that there wasn't completely the environment for it, but it's almost like because the actual festival is so chaotic, it almost it's like you read it and it's like. It seems like they kind of were just like, okay, like, well, they have a lot of, you know, firsthand encounters that they report on, but then they just hear all these crazy stories. And so it does sound like they're kind of like, well, if we heard it, it's crazy enough. Let's put it in there too. If it bleeds, it leads. Right, exactly. And so it makes, it makes for a very entertaining read. We actually have a a special treat. This is going to be the second kind of installment, I guess, uh, of of this episode, because we do have the photographer that shot all the photos for this article uh, for this particular issue of spin magazine. So uh, I, I had talked to him on the phone a little earlier, so we're going to go ahead and, and uh, let you guys listen to that. And he had some pretty interesting things to say. It's, it's the first time that we've gotten someone on the show that was behind the lens, you know, so or behind the mic, you know what I mean? Like from the media perspective, we've had, we've had people that went, we've had someone that played, this is a whole different perspective Um, and I didn't want to, you know, say too much about it, you know, but, uh, this, this is, this is Mike from spin magazine. All right. This is huge. We are here with a Woodstock 99 survivor. He's calling us from (laughs) New York. We have Mike Schreiber. He was the photographer for spin magazine in 1999 that covered the Woodstock 99 festival. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. You are you are you excited to go back? Still alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm really excited to go back. I've I've been listening to the podcast and it's uh it's it's been causing some sleepless nights. Yeah. <laughs> remembering remembering I'm, things. I'm sure that I shouldn't have seen. Yeah. I'm sure. Well, and you were lucky enough to capture some of these moments. Uh yeah. You know, because the thing is, like with the spin magazine is that like the coverage is the most graphic i feel out of all of the research that we've done (laughs) like comparing it to rolling stone everything this is the most intense um we've cited it before but this whole episode you know along with us you know getting to talk to you we're gonna be covering all sorts of little tidbits from it um because yeah there's Uh just so much to unpack there but before we get into all that good stuff how long had you been working for spin by the time you got to 99 uh, not long. I mean, it was, it was kind of the, it was the beginning of my career. Uh, I'd been shooting their live stuff for probably two years, one or two years. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, what was, okay. So was like, like the, was this the big one? Oh yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, cause before then, it, you know, it was like I did the live page. You know, anything that was in New York that they wanted to cover. I know you guys have talked about Buck Cherry a lot. They were one of the bands that I shot at Irving Plaza. Nice. (laughs) Um, Like, uh, you know, I went on to do mostly portraits, but when I started shooting, it was, it was all live stuff. That was sort of how I got my foot in the door Awesome. as a photographer. And, um, uh, yeah, I was just, I was just lucky to, you know, have, 
the people that spin, you know, give me a shot really. Right. Know? Cause I was, I was, when I first started, I, I just wasn't, you know, there was really no reason to hire me for anything as a photographer. Right. So, well, okay. So, but, but I, I'd been doing it for a while by the time Woodstock came around. Okay. Well then that, that brings me to the next question before Woodstock, what were like just offhand, some of the crazier concerts that you had been to, or does anything like stand out before then where you're like, Oh, Woodstock 99 was crazy, but this was crazy. Or was Woodstock 99 kind of like mm-hmm. the pinnacle up to that point? Or like, had you seen some like pretty gnarly shit before that? I don't, I don't think I'd really, there really weren't that many festivals at the time. You know, so right. like I've been, to, I've been to some pretty, uh, pretty intense shows like, you know, Rage Against the Machine shows or whatever, but none that was like, you know, three days of this, Right. you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, completely. It was like, you know, a two hour show is different from three days, you know, with, you know, however many bands were playing. Uh, right. but no, I didn't really see anything great. Like there was nothing crazy. Like even like covering Ozfest or whatever, it was, it was pretty tame, you know? Right. Cause again, people weren't, people weren't staying there. You know, it was like you, you drive in, you see the show, maybe you get fucked up and then you go home. You know, this is like people were living there. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no, there's no going home. Like, no, it's just like, it was like, this, this was some people's home. <laughs> However many, you know, 500,000 people were living there for, for three days, you know? Yeah. Which so is disgusting totally, in I'd any, any way. Like yeah. It. Yeah. I'd never seen, I'd never even, you know, it was crazy. So it was, it was just crazy. When it was announced and, 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 you know, obviously everyone at, at spin knew that it was going to be covered by you guys. Was there like, were people like wanting to go or what was like the kind of overall attitude? Was it like, like, I mean, how did they pick people? I, if you even know, or like, were, were people trying to, to get assigned to this or were people trying to get out of being assigned to it or like, or was it just another job? Uh, what do you mean? But like, well, like it was, like, was Woodstock 99 just another story for like the staff or was this something that people wanted to be assigned to and like, we're excited. Well, I about? wasn't on staff. No photographers are on staff. I, I freelance. Oh, okay. So, so they could have, you know, picked anyone they want. I just happened to do all of their live stuff. But actually, as as I remember it, which might be a hundred percent false, <laughs> but as I remember it, they weren't planning to cover it. Um, I I, I don't know why. I, I'm assuming maybe it was because of, of like the type of groups weren't really like spin type of groups. Um, you know, like you didn't see like corn or stuff like that. Right. But, but I, I remember calling the photo editor and, and cause I was kind of like, I remember being kind of upset that they hadn't called me to ask me to do it, you know, cause I was literally shooting every live stuff, every right. live concert for them. And, um, and she said, I don't, I don't know if we're covering it. Let me find out. And this was like a few days beforehand. So, so as I remember it, then they were like, okay, we're, we're going to cover, but we need to, we need an angle. You know, we need like, um, 
Right. You just don't want to do a like show to, review. You know, you want the the bigger cultural yeah, impact. Yeah. You know, and obviously nobody knew that it was going to be that, you know. Well, of course um, not. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so what they came up with was, uh, for me, like on, on one day to, uh, follow lit around. I know you guys have been talking about lit. <laughs> yeah. No, oh yeah. No, dude. Um, I mean, again, right. we, we talk a lot and of I've shit never, I, on these bands, but we, no, no, listen, we like I, them. I, I've never even, I'd never heard of them. <laughs> like, you know, I, I mean, I lived in an apartment with three of my friends and we had a TV, but it was just to watch movies. Like we didn't have cable or MTV or anything like that. So, and I wasn't really into that type of music. So I just, they weren't on my radar. So, so the idea was that I would be sort of embedded with one group one day and another group the next day. So the first day it was lit. And then the next day it was Everlast. Wow. Um, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And that was sort of, that was, cause remember he, he had had that resurgence around that time with, um, that sort of countrified album. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Right. What was it? Where it's at or something like that. Well, and and, Um, yeah. And I think Everlast, like his real big hit didn't even happen in, in 99 yet. Um, I, no. I don't think like, like the the really really big one. Oh man, um, where it's like no, no, it had. Oh, it had. That's why he was there. Okay, okay. Otherwise, there, otherwise, whatever last one would have been there. It, right. It definitely yeah, it, had happened. Yeah. So, um, wow, that's. <laughs> so you got yeah, so, so, so that, you spent a day with Lit Angle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so that was the angle that, and that was actually the only time I was at that stage. Because, um, you know, the stages were so far apart that it would have been, you know, all of the big acts were on the, the one stage. Right. And it would have been it would have been impossible to go back and forth because they were just so far. Um, so that was really the only thing. I actually watched the DMX performance uh, the other night and I, I, I didn't see it when you know when i was there because i was at the bigger stage you know right um or you mean well if if it was like lit and stuff so yeah because there was the west stage which is kind of like the second stage and that's where lit played and then you had the east stage which was the main stage and dmx actually played on that stage and i think everlast was also on the west stage so the, the, the smaller one as well i don't think they put him on the no 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 everlast was on the no dmx i think was on the smaller stage and and Everlast was definitely on the big stage. Okay. And you just watched the DMX one the other night? Yeah. That's fucking crazy, right? And I got all amped up. I wanted to fight somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to go back to Woodstock. Yeah. <laughs> that, Every time I listen to DMX, I want to fight somebody. So, it, well, oh, definitely. I don't know. Uh, we, we talk about this all the time, but like back in the day um, before Jackass, like all the guys, like uh, some of the guys had a, the CKY videos. And one of their buddies, okay. this pro- oh, the backyard wrestling. Well, they, they, they did like jackass style stunts and skateboarding and stuff in, oh, the, in these right, videos right, called CKY. Uh-huh. And one of their guys, one of their friends, this guy, Mike Vallely, who ended up going on to be uh, the singer of Black Flag for a second. And now he's like a vegan activist. But there's a scene where they play a DMX <laughs> song when he just kicks the shit out of like four guys in a parking lot. And to this day, <laughs> nice. like that, like before right. I have to give a speech or anything, like yeah. I, I watch that shit and get pumped. Just yeah. DMX and a guy fighting four dudes in a parking lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good for that. It's good for that. Except for when the four dudes start beating the shit out of you because DMX made you feel like you're stronger. Like than I you could, are. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, Mike V and I are yeah. very different. He, I would never fight uh, four <laughs> guys separately, let alone all together. Uh, Mike V exactly. took him on with one hand. Yeah. Uh, no matter so, how much DMX I listen to. Right, yeah. <laughs> you'll, yeah, you'll never... You know, you had the power inside you all along. It wasn't the DMX. Yeah. Um, so right. that's interesting that you said that like your assignment was kind of to follow these bands because looking through the issue, mm-hmm. the pictures that they published... I mean, those aren't the pictures, you know what I mean? Like you, you have lots of roaming right. stuff. You, you definitely have some shots of like the, the, the big acts. Now, are all the pictures yeah. in the issues one, like in the issue, the ones that you took? No, there's, there's a few. Yeah. I don't even think they published a picture of Everlast. No, they didn't. There's a picture of uh, the guitarist from lit uh, up in here, but it's very, yeah, yeah, very mm. small. The, uh, the quintessential pictures, like the big ones are the guy yeah. by the porta potty with the mud. And yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's uh, that's the amazing. Only ones I, the only I took all of them except for the one. It looks like a dead body under a blanket oh. <laughs> with all the garbage around. Right. I yes. didn't take that one, and I didn't take the Fred Durst on the uh, on the car on the on the plywood. Yeah, I, I didn't take that one. Yeah, but I mean, I, being I'm I can imagine sure the rest are mine. I can imagine getting up close for that Limp Bizkit set would have been impossible, even for media past people. Um, no, no, I was, I, I was, no, that was taken by one of the photographers. Right. Oh I no, did, yeah, but I mean, like, if you were trying to get in, if you weren't already like at the spot, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, you, you had to be in position. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think it was on the other side of the stage from where I was. Wow. All right. So, and then for for you listeners at at home on our Instagram at podcast 99, I'll be posting, you know, some of the shots just of the magazine. So you can see these pictures that we're talking about because they are fucking incredible and really kind of, Oh, and there's another one. Sorry. No, no, yeah. yeah. The the last page of the fires. I didn't take that one. I was gone. Like I was, I wasn't there for the fire. I was like, uh, no. Well, then that that, that kind of brings me to this other question. And this is kind of an overall thing. I know we're kind of trying to go in order according to the timeline of the festival. But like at any point that you were there, were you like afraid for your safety or, or were you kind of separate oh, yeah. from? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Many times. Did I mean, you, in the photographer's pit, it was like crazy, crazy dangerous. Like, uh. I think when Rage Against the Machine was on, it was it, it was literally like just bodies flying over, like, like it was like a it was like a waterfall of bodies. And I'm not sure if they made us leave. Like like I know they made us leave a few times because it was just too stupid, right? Um, you know, and you know the security guys—they're just these big dudes. They're not like. You know, they're, they're not, not trained like personnel. They're just big dudes. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're just big dudes with yellow shirts on. Right. So, uh, so, so yeah, there were a few times where I was just like, holy shit. Like I've never seen anything like this. It's fucking crazy. And really like just the thought of what, like what's going on in that crowd? Like what the fuck, you know? Cause it was just so crazy. And, and I know you guys have spoken about it before, but like the heat was, it was insane. It was, it was so hot. 
Would that like was that and, like fucking up your lens or anything? Like was it like, was it like condensation nah. hot? Was it like getting like that bad? No, nah, like, oh, it wasn't fuck. like. No, it wasn't like that. It was, but it was, it was, it was hot. It was like, it was like you know, because it was like on a tarmac. Right. So there were no trees. There was no, you know, the 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 security was like spraying water on people, but they weren't handing out water bottles to five hundred thousand people. Um, no, <laughs> you know, absolutely and, not. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, and what, what was really crazy was you could really see the change from day to night, you know, cause the crowd totally changed. It right. was almost like they switched, people switched out, you know, like there was the, during the day jewel crowd. And then like, they got either pushed out or they just left for, you know, the night crowd, which is like, you know, the corn and Limp Bizkit and right. you know, Rage and all that stuff. Right. And yeah, we've talked about that before, too, where there is a really kind of night and day difference between like just the energy yeah. and everything. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was booked that way, but like that looking back, that's probably not like the best way to book a festival. We're like, yeah, we'll put all the really nice stuff first and then we'll just slam all the really <laughs> hard stuff together yeah. at night when everyone's been getting fucked up all day. They've had all day to find yeah. drugs, all day <laughs> yeah, to get alcohol, totally. all day to fucking yeah. get fucked up. And then we'll hit them with all the shit that like ruins concerts. <laughs> like, it, right. yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. Um, so yeah. you got to go, did you get to go into like the backstage areas at all? Like with the artists, I'm assuming you probably, oh, yeah. Got, yeah. yeah. What, what was that like in comparison to like the grounds? It was pretty boring. I mean, if you've ever been backstage at, at like a big show, it's usually pretty boring, you know? Um, the, the, the highlight for me though was, uh, I think MTV had a tent and they, you know, they were like interviewing people and. I think there's a picture of that in here, maybe with lit. Right. Um, oh, and there's all sorts of good uh, talks. Like, there's all sorts of good bits in the article about the MTV crew, like just being harassed yeah. the whole time. Oh, like, really? When they would show, oh, yeah, like someone threw like a cup of piss at Carson Daly and like all, yeah, all sorts of crazies. MTV was like not like, a, at least on the grounds, not a welcome presence, even though they were like the main right. media outlet there, like pushing yeah, the whole of thing. Course. But yeah, so yeah. like. Um, uh, yeah, no, but the hot, like, I remember, um, I was backstage and there was like this buzz, like everybody was just buzzing about something. And, uh, like, you know, everybody from like the, the, the maintenance guy to Anthony Kiedis, you know, everybody was excited. <laughs> and it turned out that word got out that, uh, Willie Nelson's tour bus was going to be backing backing in there soon and like everybody basically stopped and just waited <laughs> for willie nelson you know but did no one and else have like, weed yeah right no but then um then the the tour bus comes and he gets out you know and willie nelson is like really small he's like maybe five six five five right wearing these like um like New Balance sneakers, and I'm just like, that's really <laughs> awesome. Holy shit! <laughs> you know? But that was that was. Pretty, I mean, for me, that was a highlight. You know, Willie Nelson was like, holy shit! No, oh, yeah, Willie and it's Nelson. honestly, it's one of the best sets too of, of the of the concert. Mm -hmm. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he played first on the last day. He opened up the main stage, and it's like beautiful, and you feel like you're actually at Woodstock. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like real I Woodstock didn't vibes. See him perform. 
I oh, definitely yeah. didn't see that. Yeah, no, you you were stuck with uh with uh, Everlast. I was with, yeah, I was with Everlast. <laughs> but that that's funny that everyone Watch, was like watching him during Gatorade. <laughs> was that was that the move? You know. like, no, you know, I mean, it's like people they're just they're just hanging out in their trailers, you know, like not doing anything. Right. Mostly, you know, it's not like 1984 with you know fucking Motley Crue. You know, uh, yeah, I know. That's what that like, you know, that's what I want to hear about Woodstock 99's backstage. Yeah. But then I'm like, yeah, I just can't picture like Dave Matthews band, like racking lines and like, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. fucking chicks together and shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? Trained, I, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, uh, you know, uh, there's just, but you a, never know. I, I wasn't privy to his, his, uh, yeah, for all we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, he might be the worst of anybody. <laughs> Well, um, you know, funny story about the backstage at Woodstock 99, but uh, this documentary just came out called Loud Crazy Love about um, Mm -hmm. one of the guitarists of Korn. And Uh he says that he was sober. like He had a really bad drug problem after their second album like or their third album, the really big one, uh, Follow the Leader, came out. Mm -hmm. And he got sober up to Woodstock 99, and then they played, (laughs) and they still cite that as their best show ever. And they were so happy that when he got backstage, he was like, I'll celebrate a little bit. Did a line of coke. Oh, next no. four years of his life down the fucking toilet, like with drug addiction. Damn. Like Woodstock '99 backstage, fucking almost ruined his life. Um, yeah, if only it had been a bad show, yeah. it never would have happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if they just blew it. Then, yeah, he'd be sober, and we wouldn't Stupid have a great uh, show. Yeah, <laughs> but or he um, would have been so depressed that he would have started using again. Uh, Either way, he was going to do something that night. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can't escape Woodstock '99. It's it's going to get you. Um. When I when we were talking when I first called you, you had mentioned that they had water backstage. Uh. You know, bottled water for 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 everyone, which makes sense because it's backstage. Bottled water, toilets, food. I mean, we're not. You know, we're not animals. (laughs) <laughs> right well you know? i mean you would think that they thought that about humans considering how they treated the actual <laughs> concert goers you know like right. what was kind of the other like accommodations that were back there if you remember any like you mentioned food was there like was it like just shitty kind of like stouffer's craft setup or was it like hey this is pretty decent you know, th- this whole time i've been trying to remember what i ate but i really have no recollection at all of eating at right. Woodstock 99. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I ate something, but I really, I, for the life of me, I have no idea. Like I, there was probably like a craft services or maybe like a cafeteria type setup, but, um, I really don't know. No, it's, and it's fine. I, I mean, have no idea. Th- that's the thing with Woodstock 99. <laughs> if, if you were there, chances are like, if you went there, especially as like a attendee, you definitely don't remember a lot yeah. of shit. And if you were there working, yeah. it, it was like so insane, like so insane that, yeah, it's like, I, I wouldn't expect yeah. you to remember that you had, you know, fucking I was mac just, and cheese I was or just running around, you know, it was just like, it was just like, you know, as a photographer, um, you know, it was really just trying to stay focused, you know, trying to, there was, cause there was just so much going on, you know, there was right. the crowd. And then there was like all of the big stars of the time. And what do I do now? And, you know, you know what I mean? And, you know, and also, you know, I had, I had a, like, I don't know how many rolls of film, you know, it was film. So right. it was, it was about also like, I need to make sure that I have enough film for three days. Cause 
I was, you know, I was shooting everything, you know, I was like, of course, yeah, yeah. like I have so many crowd pictures and it's funny because, um, usually with, you know, with any job, I would shoot it, get a process and then do my edit and show the editors my edit. But because the deadline was so, uh, no, actually it wasn't the deadline. It was because I had to stay for the aftermath. Right. Uh, so they had me FedEx my film to them and they got a process, which I'd never done before. So the, 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 the art department saw my pictures before I did, which made me really nervous. Right. And, um, you know, cause it's like, you know, you take out all the bad ones, but, but, uh, and the art department, it was three women or four women. <laughs> and, and, you know, they, they, they call me earlier. We got the film. It looks great. You took a lot of pictures of naked women. <laughs> like there's a lot of breasts. And I was like, I know, but you know, they were just there, you know, it was like, it was like you point your camera anywhere and there was a naked woman. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And it I mean, that's crazy. what we talk about on the show all the time. Like when we're, you know, cause we try and really keep track of like, just so it doesn't become, you know, commonplace. Cause it should like assault mm -hmm. should never be commonplace, but we always try and point yeah. out whenever you can visual, like visibly see someone getting groped in the crowd. Oh yeah. And it does not matter what time of day, what band is playing any of that no, shit. It's no. constantly yeah, happening. Yeah. So I can totally see that. You know what I mean? But there hadn't yeah. been a concert where that was the case really before, you know, or so, not, not like that. Not, not like that. You know, it's like, you know, to that like extent. I have, yeah. I have this one sequence of this girl, uh, crowd surfing. And like, you could just see like over the course of like 10 frames, you know, guys are just literally trying to rip her top off, you know? Yeah. It's terrifying. And yeah. And it's, and she's like fighting back and she's like trying to hold, you know, her, cause it was just a bikini top. And it's just like, dude, what the fuck are these people doing? You know, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It and really I mean, it's crazy. And I'm guessing, you know, it's like, cause I know that like the question like will come up from someone out there. It's like, well, how come he was just shooting pictures? You were, you, there's an ocean of yeah. people. First of all, <laughs> you know, it's an ocean of people and you guys were lucky enough to, yeah, be in like a photo pit yeah. or be like, you know, like somewhere from a vantage point. And even if you right. were to roll in there, then you have, you know, 50 to a right. hundred of the nastiest drunken no, men I mean, ever. And you're the one trying yeah. to stop the titties. No. Like no way. Yeah, no, that's, that's not, that's not what I'm there for. And also like, if there is some sort of lawsuit and somebody needs visual evidence, I've got it, you know? Right. Like, no, I mean, you're not going to jump into it. I mean, if it's like you're walking down the street and you see something, that's one thing. But if you see, this is like crazy. And also I wasn't in the crowd. I was, I was in the, you know, right. In the photographer's pit. So Right. Now, no, now was the anyone that would say that is insane. No, of course. Yeah, no, no, no definitely. Um, so the, the, the pit, the, the photo pit, was that like basically where people would get passed over when, when they were like getting past to security or was it like kind of off to the stage? Like basically, was it right in front of the stage or was it somewhere else? Right in front. Okay. It's right in front. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 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 Oh. No, it's, 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 you see the line of security. Then the photographers were, between those guys and the stage. But because I was shooting for spin, um, me and the guy from Rolling Stone, we, we each were able to be on these risers. 
So we were like a little bit above the fray. Wow. Not, not for all of the groups, but for some of them. And, um, yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. It was like, like to get out of the crowd, people were being passed to the front, you know, and they were right. passing yeah, yeah. girls who needed to get out or people that passed out, you know, it was fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> it we, really was. I was like, I was like, how many people died here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Not as many as you'd it think. Crazy. Not as many as you'd think. I think wow. there was only like two deaths. And one of them was a guy, this is actually in the article. One of them was a guy that went to the Wood- Woodstock 69 and he had heart surgery 11 days before. And then the heat oh, killed damn. him. Yeah, so it's oh, like, man. you know what I mean? It's like, it's not it's not like people were fucking killing each other there. They were just harming right. people, you know, physically and scarring them mentally for the rest <laughs> of their just, lives. They yeah. were scarring them, yeah, totally. So, like, overall, <laughs> would you say that there was, like, a negative vibe or was it just during, like, peak moments where you're like, whoa, this is bad? Or overall, would you say the vibe was, like, pretty chill? You know what I mean? Like, w- was it just a few bad seeds, like the promoters of Woodstock 99 want us to believe? Or was the whole thing kind of this melting pot of negative energy? Uh, as I remember it, like, I don't remember it being like dark like that. Um, but I do remember being like really uncomfortable seeming just how people were living, you know, like with the mud and the piss and the shit and, you know, all of that and the heat and the, you know, the lack of water and food. Um, but I mean, if you look at the pictures, like people are having fun, you know, totally. Like, like, you know, so no, it wasn't like totally negative. It it took a turn (laughs) at one point. Right. But, but it wasn't like, Oh man, this is something terrible is going to happen here. It didn't feel like that at all. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I've, I've always wondered, like, especially from the, cause like everyone we've talked to that went as a concert goer, all, all say the same thing. And, and a lot of them said that they, that they didn't personally see any of this negative stuff going on just because when you're in an ocean of people, if you're not looking for that kind of a thing, you're probably not going to see it, especially when you're just trying to like, make sure you don't lose your fucking backpack. You know what I mean? In a giant, I I also think, I also think that a lot of the dark stuff, happened in the campgrounds. Oh yeah. Like, I, I not necessarily, not necessarily while a concert is going on, you know? Right. Um, did you walk through you there know, at like all? Have, yeah, I did. I, I've got, there's, there's, there's there, are there no pictures in here? From uh, oh, I no, think it's a think, medical tent. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. And I want to ask you about that too. If you, if you, if you went in there, but what were the campgrounds like? I mean, like what are the sounds and the smells coming from the Woodstock 99 campgrounds? Cause it was like, man, you know what? I, one thing that I remember is like, I saw a lot of really bad sunburns, like terrible sunburns, <laughs> you know, like the first day, like the first day people are just like fully exposed and no sunscreen, oh. you know, and that's it. It's a wrap, you know, you're done. Uh, and no, I mean, I wa- I definitely walked through the campgrounds and I have pictures of them. I guess they didn't print any. But, um, no, it was a shit show, you know, it was, cause it's like all these kids, it's all kids, you know, it's like all people in their like teenagers or early twenties who are getting fucked up. <laughs> right. I mean? Yeah. And there's, yeah. And, and no attempt. Yeah. No one in charge. I honestly don't remember. I don't remember any sort of like 
security or any like real, like there was no rhyme or reason to it. It It's just like someone, you bring a tent and you set it up and that's it. Right. Yeah. Like there was no plots for people. Like even though, um, and I think this is another thing I learned from the article is that they sold a boat, like for an extra hundred dollars, you can get this premier camping pass. But when they got there, like (laughs) no one knew where that was or whatever. So pretty much everyone just ate that and was like, well, we might as well just get a fucking spot because like no one knows what the fuck is going on here. And eventually the campground kind of spilled out onto the grounds. Yeah. 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 No, it was, that was what it was. It was really, but you know, when it's, when you're young, you don't really care. You know, you're just like, all right, cool. We're going to get fucked up and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Like I could never do that now. And I'm, I'm only 29. You know what I mean? And like even 21 (laughs) year old me would be like, I don't know, man. You know? (laughs) Well, I think I was, I think at the time I was like 27 and there's no way I would have done it. I would have been like, what are you crazy? Yeah. Yeah. So Um, where did you stay? Like, 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 where were were you? Uh, they had, they had these houses for, uh, press and it was like, uh, it was pretty communal. It wasn't like nice or anything, but it was, you know, it wasn't camping. Right. (laughs) Were there like after parties? Like, 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 were there like fun, like media folk after parties or was it just like, okay, let's fucking go to bed. Like kind of a thing. I mean, if, if there were after parties, I, I didn't know that. Like I was so exhausted every night, you know, it was like, it was like these full days in the sun, nonstop action, you know? Yeah. You're right. By the time, you know, by the time, 11 o'clock rolled around and the show was over whatever, whatever time it ended. It was just like, let me fucking get some sleep because I got to do this again tomorrow. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And you know, cause it's like you, nowadays festivals are such like a commodity and they're so kind of just casual, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They happen like Coachella and stuff. And like half of the thing with like a festival like Coachella is like, Oh yeah. And then like all of the big brands have their after parties and their houses yeah. and all. And that's such a part of it now. And I was just yeah. wondering if like that had any roots in yeah. 99 and yeah, no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> Cause I have no, this. Like, um, no, yeah. Go the for only it. branding I remember was like Woodstock branding, you know, right. I don't remember like, you know, the whatever, I mean, there might have been some, but I just don't remember. Like the Gucci after party, they didn't have that. Like they have at Coachella. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. I have this. Uh, it's like a Woodstock '99 kind of staff handbook, and it it's mostly uh-huh. just like a, a phone book of all the local businesses uh-huh. that you could go to after. And I was just like looking through. It's like, oh, all these restaurants, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if like Dickie's Pub or whatever was like packed with people <laughs> afterward. You know what I mean? It's just like I, I can't imagine someone working. Woodstock 99 getting off for the night and being like, let's go check out the town of Rome, New York. Yeah. Like, I just don't let's think see yeah. what's going on at Dickie's. Yeah. <laughs> what's happening at Dickie's tonight? There was a place called like, oh, I'm going to have to look it up. I, I want to say it was called Gooch's, but I can't be, I can't Gucci. be positive, but like it's, <laughs> it's something along the lines of Gooch's. Um, so funny. then, okay. So also on the grounds of Woodstock 99, there was a couple like side events. Like there was a film festival, the emerging artist stage, mm-hmm. and then the rave. Yeah. Did you check any of that stuff right. out? Particularly the rave. That's not, like the most not, mysterious. Not even for a second. No, not even for a second. Yeah. I mean, it just, I didn't even consider it. That seems just like pure <laughs> debauchery. Like that's, that's the last stop before hell really is. It, it. just seems like, it just seems like, uh, so unnecessary, you know? Well, like, the, I don't know the drugs. The, sometimes they don't wear off when you want them to, and you need something else to do. <laughs> I guess. 
Yeah, no, I don't know. I was like, by the end of every night, I was just so beat, you know? Like, oh, yeah, the totally. Thing, Definitely. I would be, you know, I, I did get a, pictures of, um, what the fuck was that guy's name? That DJ. He was British. Fatboy Slim? Uh, yeah, yeah, Fatboy Slim. Dude, that's he was a, probably in the rave tent. Oh, he definitely was in the rave tent. Yeah. And yeah. um, someone actually drove a U-Haul truck into the rave tent during that set. And like it had to be stopped oh, for really? a second until the truck. Yeah, dude. It, it was a guy setting up wow. for the like, um, I don't know if you remember this, but like the action park, like where they had BMX and like skating and stuff. Someone was trying to move that. in like a half pipe. <laughs> And 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 wow. like they just went the wrong way and started like trying to navigate their way through like a fucking rave and like everyone started climbing That's on so the truck funny. as they do and and yeah oh but that God. was during Fatboy Slim so you probably got out right before that happened. Um, no no I, he was he was backstage. Just oh, like during oh, the day. oh okay I, I thought yeah. you meant it was at the okay yeah yeah definitely no. <laughs> yeah backstage does seem like the mellow ticket you know what I mean it, it does seem like that was the yeah play. yeah <laughs> well you know I mean it's you know it's like. Yeah, I mean, there's really no incentive for people to be acting crazy backstage, you know. No, yeah, you're you're absolutely Pretty comfortable. You're absolutely right <laughs> on that. Um, so, real, I, I just have a couple more things for you. Did you check out the medic mm-hmm. tent at all, or like the triage center? Did you see yeah. any of that stuff? What was that like? Uh, I think it was mostly like heat exhaustion type stuff. Um, I mean, I have pictures from it. But I don't really. God, like, I want to see that. There was like IVs and stuff. No, it was nothing grisly. It was more just like I just like the lay of the land aspect. You know what I mean? Just like the fact that there was yeah. like a makeshift ER, like on the grounds yeah, no, of a peace, love, and music festival. And, yeah, there's one. There's a picture of it from it in the uh, in the magazine. Right. Yeah. 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 Where uh, people are sitting down in chairs around tables. It actually looks like they're just taking a break, yeah. but they're all probably really sick and like not doing good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just I I mean the heat was pretty overwhelming. Right. You know? It's it's not hard to get taken down pretty quickly, especially if you're, you know, not eating and drinking and doing whatever else you're doing. Oh, totally. You know? so, yeah, no, definitely. So then Sunday night happens, all the shit goes down. Mm-hmm. The the riots are well, it's Sunday night. Yeah, they yeah, Sunday night. So but you said you had to stay and, and check out the aftermath. What was that like? Yeah. Like, what was it like kind of walking around after the fact and, and seeing it? Uh, you mean like after, after? Yeah. Like, like after everything was cleared out. Oh, that's how it long you stayed like, there? Well, no, they, they actually sent me back. Wow. Like, yeah, I think I was on my way home and they were like, no, go back. And, you know, cause it was like all these burnt out trucks and just, Right. everywhere and uh you know um another thing that happened that I, that i have a bunch of pictures of people would put up these makeshift signs because uh you know when they were like people would lose their friends and right. then they would put up a makeshift sign like uh you know searching for so-and-so meet me at stage right during you know, jewel or whatever. Yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 No, we, we've because, seen, we've seen lots of pictures 99, of yeah, yeah. And 90, you know, a lot of people didn't have cell phones or there might not have been service or whatever. There certainly wasn't any place to, to charge. So 
Yeah, so there was a lot of that. A lot of people just like not knowing where their friends are. That's like <laughs> zombie apocalypse stuff. Just like showing up to yeah. this like place where people used to congregate and have fun, and now it's burnt out trucks yeah. and missing people signs, yeah. and like it's crazy. Yeah. No, no, but yeah. So, so when I went back, um, you know, it was it was really like it was like a war zone. Like things are burnt out, and uh, I remember there was this one truck. It was like full of. Um, soda and all of it was just was just burnt to the ground um and there was a guy there and i went back with a writer <laughs> and there was this guy there, this like local guy who i guess worked there i don't know what he was he might have been part of the cleanup but um i was taking pictures and he's like hey uh you can't take pictures here i was like no no i'm, I'm with spin right <laughs> like think he, met, he would be impressed by that <laughs> and, and he, and he, you know, he was like this big kind of like, you know, a big I townie. Even, I don't even No, not like a townie, more like a, like a Sopranos type character. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I was like, no, no, it's, I'm with spin. And he goes, okay, why don't you take your camera? And spin the fuck out of here. <laughs> I was like, I was Dude, like, that is I was awesome. Like, yeah, I think I could do that. I think I'll just go now, you know, like, <laughs> cause it was just like, cause DMX wasn't playing and I wasn't feeling yeah, amped up. You weren't you know? amped up enough. If DMX, had, if DMX had been playing, it would have been a whole different story. Well, now I'm, I'm just story. wondering about maybe like potential mob ties. Like maybe they're like, they're like maybe we got to work out some kind of insurance scam here at Woodstock 99. I think it was, yeah, no, I think it was more like, I think it was more just like, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. And they were like, this is crazy. You know, right. Get this guy out of here. <laughs> <laughs> fuck man. That was like, is awesome. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty funny, but, uh, yeah, man, it was just, uh, you know, the whole thing was just, was just, uh, bizarre, you know? So just the lineup was bizarre. And, oh yeah. Totally. Know, everything. I mean, and you took, uh, you know, speaking of the lineup, the the, the one major picture, the, the the main thing I'm stoked on, the best Woodstock 99 picture that kind of shows the attitude and kind of the how scary <laughs> the crowd is, is the is the first picture you see in the article. It's these guys jammed right. up against the front row. They all look right. insane out of their minds. Yeah. These are guys like if one of them were to show up to any show on Earth everyone would be kind of yeah. like, oh, fuck. But they're all there. Yeah. And they just ruined everything. Yeah, and they're <laughs> yeah. The, the show. And those guys, I mean, you said that was during corn, right? When you got those guys? Or, or you think it was during corn? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm pretty sure. It was God, it's corn. fucking frightening. And I've posted this on our yeah. Instagram before. It's so cool uh -huh. to get to talk to the person behind the lens of that photo. Because right. to me, that's like <laughs> the picture, like pretty much yeah. like that shows that aspect of it. Because, yeah, I mean, fuck me. I don't know the guys personally. But uh, just yeah. from the looks of the picture, these are all guys that could have done any of the bad things that we've talked about <laughs> happening at Woodstock '99. Right. Um, what's, but what's always crazy? What's always crazy to me is when I look at pictures like this, just the thought that you know everybody in these pictures is now like in their 40s, probably right or late 30s, you know, and and it's just crazy, you know, because. Like, you know, I, I, I sent you the, um, that, that thing from when I posted that picture on Facebook and one and two or three of the people 
that yeah. are actually in the picture Everyone hopped contacted on it. me. Yeah, it was crazy. And I was just like, I mean, honestly, I was surprised that they were alive. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I just assumed everyone died that night. <laughs> no one made it out. I really, no, I really just, especially the guy in the foreground who's bent over. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know what happened to him, but <laughs> I know it couldn't have been good. You know? Oh, it's crazy. So, all yeah. right, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Overall, mm-hmm. you know, there's a podcast about it now. There's, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing Woodstock 50, and I'm sure there's going to be some kind of other style coverage of 99 coming out already. People, I, I know that uh, people have been approaching folks for interviews and stuff for magazines about it and things. Yeah. As someone that was there and as someone that played a part in recording the narrative of Woodstock 99, what is your overall takeaway from it as a cultural event, as a music festival, just as a whole? What looking back, what do you think about it? I mean, it was it was definitely I don't know, I guess it was it was sort of like the you know, they say like with the I think you guys might have said it with the nines, you know, at the end of Right, yeah, that was uh, us. That was us. (laughs) Yeah, end of decade. It really was like just this this blowout of you know, that, that, you know, rap rock, you know, sort of metal hybrid. Right. It it was like the epitome of that. It was like the height of that. And it it, kind of, it's kind of like at the end of the eighties, um, you know, like I, I was in high school in the, in the late eighties and, you know, it was all hair metal. Right. You know, I grew up on Long Island. So it was like hair, it was like, you know, Motley Crue, uh, Twisted Sister, Bon Jovi, you know, all these groups, Cinderella, like all this yeah, shit. Yeah, real American rock. And then and then Nirvana came out. And all of that shit disappeared. You know? Right. And I I feel like it's like that, you know, where they just they just sort of like fell like off the map, you know. Right. Yeah. It was you the know, blowout. Kid Rock is like a Republican now. He's like Ted Nugent Jr. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he went from like a lovable white pimp to Ted Nugent Jr. Right. And, it's easier to um, love the lovable white pimp than it is to love a Ted Nugent yeah. Jr. <laughs> it yeah, actually he is. Was like, no, he's was, he was a cartoon character. Right. You know, and right. now it's like, it's it's a cartoon, but it's not funny. You know? like, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. It's like a <laughs> propaganda cartoon instead of like fucking Looney like, Tunes. Yeah. Like, did I really buy that album? Shit. And he, and um, Kid Rock is actually on the cover of this issue of spin magazine. I know. And it's, and, and it's like such like looking back on it, it's such a dumb picture, you know, <laughs> like, like no disrespect to the photographer. Cause obviously this was the thing at the time. But, you know, it's just, he just looks like a jackass, you know? Right. Like everything about that picture is like, this guy's a jackass. But, <laughs> but I really feel like, I feel like Woodstock 99 really was that, you know? And then like hip hop just took over everything. Right. You know, there was like the last gasp of these like, of real Weird. rock stars is, is how I, I like to say, you know, cause nowadays there's bands that are big, like, like the killers or something like that, or, you know, bands right. still get really big, but it's not the same. Like there, you don't see like, right. like if you have a really aggressive band, that's huge. They've been huge forever. Right. 
You know what I mean? It's not like yeah, a band is yeah. going to break and do Limp Bizkit numbers now. You know what I mean? Or Corn like being like <laughs> number one on the charts. That kind of shit's never going to happen again with with hard music like that. And I think it's because well, 99 blew it out. Know. You never know. You never know. Yeah, and, and also, well, and I also think it's it's kind of like with the hair metal where it wasn't real, you know? Like the hair metal was sort of born from the, like the Led Zeppelins of the world, you know? Right. Um, and then they became sort of like a cartoon character of that. 100%. And, yeah. And like the Limp Biscuits and the Corns and all them were sort of that they were like a cartoon character. Right. And, 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 and it, but they it, came from like public being, enemy and anthrax working together and yeah, stuff like exactly. that. And then somehow it became this other thing. Yeah, exactly. That, that one album that, um, bring the noise. The was that album? No, it was, was, that uh, it was a movie soundtrack that it, it combined all like hip hop groups with like heavy metal groups. Ah, fuck. Like Cypress Hill was on it. Pantera, uh, what the fuck was it called? Anyway, but yeah, it was like that. And then these guys came and they made it sort of palatable for, you know, the, 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 you know, these shithead kids. Right. Exactly. Um, but I really think it, it didn't last because it wasn't real, you know, things that are real last in any sort of genre, you know? Wow. And things that yeah. are sort of fake just sort of fall by the wayside. And they make money, you know, don't get me wrong. Like they did well. <laughs> no, oh yeah. Huge. I mean, immensely, but, immensely well, but yeah, no, I mean, there is really something to that. I, I think, I think there's, there's definitely something to what you're saying there for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, cause I mean, even within the scene there, there's kind of differences like corn can still go like to like Mexico and, and sell out a stadium like they just did. Or like when corn, uh -huh. it's like huge. When Limp Bizkit plays, it's a very big nostalgia trip. You know what I mean? And right. like, and there's right. kind of like, there's still real fans, but there's a very big tongue in cheek kind of thing attached to them now. Yeah. Whereas with so some like of the bands from that like genre. That, yeah. Yep. And you Vanilla know, Ice went the way like, of, uh, of new metal as well. He, he that's like his music. Yeah. Now. Totally. yeah. Awesome, yeah, that man. and what, like fixing up houses and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, doing uh, however many ever, behind the music he can. Yeah, no, just, doesn't he have a reality show where he like fixes houses? I know he, he has like, a reality show. I, I've, I've yet to crack it open, and I think he was also on the Surreal yeah. Life. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so hopefully he's, he's he's making some off that. But awesome, man, yeah. dude! It's been super fucking cool talking to you. I'd love to see yeah, those pictures. Definitely. Thank you for being on yeah. the show. Um, and yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. If you're ever if you're ever in my neck of the woods, hit me up, dude. We'll we'll fucking talk Woodstock. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Take it easy. So there you have it. That is the complete coverage of the Spin Magazine coverage of Woodstock '99. Uh, it's it's been it's been a lot. There there is there is a lot there, but uh, hope it paints a clearer picture and. Hope you're ready to get back into it because next time on Podcast 99, we have yet another Legends of Woodstock 99 episode. We're going to be covering the notorious Limp Bizkit. So be sure to tune in to that. Share the podcast with everyone you can before then so you can all listen to it together and everyone will be caught up. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps. We're going to be uploading our team commentary of the Limp Bizkit set. Uh, you can also hear our episode that we put up about the uh, famed Kid Rock Limp Bizkit tour that they were on that, that year as well. So kind of get yourself all limped up 
you know, for, for the big, uh, for the big biscuit, the godfathers of Woodstock 99. Uh, so yes, I am Ryan Lichten. I've been joined by Parks Miller today. We'd like to thank Mike from Spin Magazine or formerly of Spin Magazine. Now he's just a badass fucking photographer. And, uh, at the time he was a freelancer too. So he's just always been kind of a badass. Thank you, Mike. Again, you made this episode, everything. We'd also like to thank Gray Holger at Contradict Sound for all of his technical assistance. If you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. Thank you, and we'll see you at Woodstock.